Glad to see all your faces this morning. Uh, We are wrapping up the series that we kicked off two weeks ago called Caught in the Undertow. And we've been looking at things that can pull us down and pull us away from really experiencing how God wants to meet us this Christmas season. And we've been looking at a lot of emotional pressures, a lot of uh, maybe unforeseen circumstances, all sorts of things that can kind of stack up during the holidays that can actually cause us to to drift off of the course that, that God wants for us. And if you're like me, uh, Christmas is usually a mixed bag. It's filled with anticipation, excitement, gatherings, all sorts of different activities that happen. And in the midst of all that, there's this sense of like, I am totally stressed out. Have you ever felt that? I'm glad you guys are just having a wonderful, not a care in the world. So this message is for me this morning. And the rest of you just encourage me in your bliss. But this is what Christmas is like. It's like all the things that we look forward to, but at the same time, uh, there's just all sorts of things that go on. And if we're not careful, uh, we can actually get caught in this, this wave and this current of really being disappointed or being overwhelmed or being stressed. And for each of us, uh, it's, it's different. And so we kicked off the series look, looking at how demands on us can really weigh us down if we don't have the right identity and we don't actually relate to God in the right way. And those demands come from ourselves, expectations that we have, things that we want to see happen, things that we need to see happen. And then demands also come from other people. Uh, People have a plan for our life. Sometimes we know it, sometimes we don't. But those demands can weigh on us as well. Last week we talked about comparison and how in the Christmas season there is this kind of heightened sense of us looking at our life and where we are and comparing it to the lives of those around us. These can be people that we work with. These can be family members. These can be our close friends. There's a sense in which we tend to look around and we see where people are at and we're either happy with our own situation or upset or disappointed. And before we know it, we can really look sideways at the people around us instead of looking to God for his help. And that can take us off track. Today, we're going to wrap up talking about uncertainty. And that is in our life, all the things that we have going on that we don't know yet how it's going to turn out. And uncertainty is something that actually affects us in so many different ways because life is uncertain. We don't know the future. We don't know how things are going to work out. And this can get especially to us during the holiday season. Things are related to our time. So oftentimes at the end of the year, you may have a crunch at work. You have to have so much stuff that is done before the end of the year. And at that same time, you have a lot more demands on you that come from family life. And so there's just uncertain, how can I kind of balance and blend all the things that are needed in work? And at the same time, what about ministry opportunities? What about family opportunities and all these opportunities to connect? How do do I weigh that? I have my responsibilities and then I have maybe fun. And it's uncertain how we're going to kind of make it all fit together. Uh, There's another big issue that happens at Christmas. And it's the question of how will I pay for that? If you buy gifts and you do it with a credit card, you've paid for it. But the question then is, did you have the money? And sometimes it's like, it's Christmas. It doesn't matter. But come January, it actually does because that bill finds you. No matter how much you hide, it will find you. There's a lot of uncertainty that happens with money because we have all these things that we'd like to do to maybe bless our kids, to bless our parents, to bless our friends, neighbors, coworkers. We want to give. And at the same time, we may not have the money to give. And so our money's uncertain. 
Uh, we also have uncertainty related to the new year as one year wraps up. Every year, the year wraps up. In December, we start to kind of slow down of this year and we begin to reflect. And then what happens is we look forward to the new year and there's again this excitement. But oftentimes in the new year, we don't know what's going to happen with our life. Maybe you're between jobs and you need work and you don't know where that's going to come from. Maybe you're just wanting a change in your life and you hope that this next year it's going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. And so as a new year approaches, uncertainty hits us as well. Like, what's next? How's this going to work out? And they've actually done studies over the years of how the holidays kind of heightened this sense of stress, specifically uh, with our time and with our money. That's where a lot of uncertainty comes from. There's a, a research company called Greenberg Research, and they did a study of this over the years, and they talked to a bunch of people at Christmas time, and they found some percentages. 76% of people see the increase in stress related to money. That's a lot of stress that we all experience. Just this heightened, I don't know how all the ends are going to meet. And then related to time, 80% see stress increased related to lack of time during the holidays. So it hits us in our time, it hits us in our money, and that can be very uncertain. Like, we have this bucket full of money, we have this bucket full of time, and it starts to drain, and we think, what am I going to do when this runs out? And that, that's uncertain. We've been looking at these waves and this picture of like how this becomes this current that, Paul, that pulls on us. And we've been looking at different waves around the world just to add kind of a, an illustration, an analogy. This topic of uncertainty is a lot like the waves of Huntington Beach. How many of you guys have been to Huntington Beach before? Okay, most of you. Uh, each year, they, they host the, two th- the U.S. Open of surfing. And every summer, they have that. And each year, uh, they don't know if it's going to be like the best waves they've ever seen or the worst. And the best waves look something like this. That's a good swell. Swell, that's like term for like good wave. That's all I know. Don't ask me like what happens. It just it swells. You take it. You ride it. Then you do it again. Okay? So this is, this is a good swell. But the Huntington Beach Pier where the, the surfing competition is every year, has this unique formation because of where the land and the current and the temperature all meets, and it, it really changes. And so that's a good wave. And then the next, that's what it also looks like. You say, where's the wave? It's like, it's right there. Like, you see that little white crest way out there? And these are the waves that sometimes happen during the surf competition. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like I could be in that surf competition. That's called waiting. I won through, my weight was really good. It was like a doggy pout, right? But this, that's not really epic wave. But then in 1988, Huntington saw the hugest waves they've ever seen. Look at this. Now, it's funny. This is in 1988. Doesn't it look like 1888? I don't know why. It's like the 80s. They still, what? Where's the color? But I don't know. It makes it kind of look more epic, a little more scary. But this uh, wave in, in 80, I think 84 around and then 88, uh, these waves actually destroyed the pier. It like knocked off the pier and they have to repair it and everything else. And this is a lot like how uncertainty is. We have a picture. We want it to be just everything to work out. And it's like it was perfect. And then there's days like the low tide where there's nothing there. And then all of a sudden life can hit you like this where it just overwhelms you. Now for a surf competition, this is frustrating. Uncertainty, not knowing if you're going to get kind of epic wave, lame wave. You don't know. But for life, uncertainty, it takes a lot impact on us in a surf competition. It actually, it can overwhelm us. It can feel like this in our life, just 
we're just tossed about. It feels like we're getting crushed. We don't know which way is up. And that's, that's what the unknown does to us. And each of us experience the unknown. We don't know the future. And so there's so many aspects in our life where it is unknown. I've already mentioned time and money. There's a lot of uncertainty there. We don't have enough. Oftentimes we don't think like, man, I just have so much money. I just don't know what to do with it. Have you ever said that? I don't think I ever have. What about time? Like, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. When was the last time you said that? And oftentimes you may say it, but you actually maybe didn't have that time that you thought. And then you're stressed out because, oh, wait, I had a paper due. Oh, front row, that, that resonated right there. They're, oh, too soon. Finals, right? But time, money, there, there's also uh, the future. Do you know your future? Was that rhetorical? No, it, I mean, you just don't know it. You don't know your future. You don't know how things are going to work out. There's also a lot of unknown in relationships. Uh, you may feel like drift between you and somebody that's close to you, and it's uncertain. You're not sure exactly why you guys aren't as close. There may be relationships that you really want and you don't have, and there's uncertainty there. But you see this in our future. We, we just don't know how it plays out in our relationships. Things are unknown. Life is happening, and it just seems like we're drifting away from maybe the goals that we want, from maybe the relationships that we want, and then all that with the time and money. And, and we can be really in a tough spot. And so I want to talk today about the importance and how crucial it is that Jesus came into the world. Because in the midst of uncertainty, we actually have to anchor ourselves to something that is certain, that is known. And for a Christian, the one who's decided to follow Jesus, he is the only anchor that we have. In the midst of unknown future, unknown time, unknown money, unknown relationships, we can actually cling to Jesus Christ and find stability on this earth here and now. And that is the hope that we all can have as we turn to Jesus Christ. So that's the premise of today's message. And we're going to look at the Christmas story. Before I do that, I would just like you to ask yourself a couple questions and maybe jot this down on your notes. If you're taking notes or just make a mental note in your head. What is uncertain in your life right now? Like what is kind of underneath the surface worrying you? What is uncertain in your life right now? Take just a moment. Just jot that down or think about it. Second question. How do you respond when faced with uncertainty? Maybe the one that you're dealing with right now. How are you responding to it? Like, what is it causing to do inside of you? So as you're thinking about that, I was thinking about this myself, the things that are uncertain in my life, how things are going to turn out, what's going to happen. And some things kind of came to my mind, like how, how do I respond when things are uncertain? First thing that I do a lot, maybe you can relate to this, is confusion. When uncertainty hits me, I get confused. And that's the idea of what should I do? I don't know how it's going to turn out, so I can't really decide what to do. So 
I get confused. Do I do this? Do I do that? Do I not do this? Do I not do that? And it's confusing. Uh, sometimes I respond with fear. Deep down, I'm just, I'm afraid of what's going to happen. And I'm afraid of the unknown. And that, that can be overwhelming. And we all deal with fear differently. We all de- deal with confusion differently. Another thing is worry. Worrying is this thing of where you, you're thinking about something and it's just bothering you, bothering you, and you realize like, you don't really have control over it. But you're just still worrying about it. And the worry builds because you can't change anything, but it's still there just plaguing your mind. A lot of times this is where stress comes from. We're just worried about things. Sometimes we don't even realize it. And then all this can lead to just being overwhelmed for me. These things build. Confusion, fear, worry. And then I just get to this point where I just feel like there's a lot of pressure right now in my life. And I'm feeling overwhelmed. And all of this is mostly related to the unknown in my life. Things I don't know how it's going to turn out. The reason I want you to kind of wrestle with this yourself is it's actually difficult and hard to understand the difference that Jesus makes unless we look at who we are by ourselves. When we respond to the unknown and uncertainty, we get to see, like, here's how I do it myself. Here's what happens when I face down the unknown of my life. So oftentimes to realize our need for God, we have to understand what it's like without him or how we respond when we just do things our own way. That's helpful because you begin to see this is who I am when I'm left to myself and my own resources and my own knowledge, my own reflexes. This is who I am. But to see the difference that Jesus makes, you actually realize that I can let go of that. Still struggle with it, but ultimately I don't have to turn in myself to figure out everything about my life, direction, goals, and how to get there. That's why Jesus makes the difference. And so kind of think about this, kind of face this, and it's maybe kind of hard for you right now. Just maybe some things really raw in your life, like where you are struggling, you're battling. Face that. Because as you face it, it makes the hope of Jesus even more resounding. So I'd like you to do that this morning. Just kind of mull with that. All right. Not to stress you out more. But to kind of see there is real hope. Okay. So as you're kind of have that in the back of your head. Here's my premise for this morning. Okay. The best way for us, for me and you to deal with uncertainty is to follow and serve the God who knows all and sees all. That's why. We need God, and that's why him sending Jesus Christ into our earth is so crucial, because it allows us to know him, allows us to know God. One of the key words when Jesus came was he shall be called Emmanuel, which means, does anybody know? God with us. That's the premise of Christianity. We do not follow a God that is distant or absent. We follow a God that came and dwelled with us. He can be known. He can be trusted. He can be followed. He has the right to direct us, and he can do it. He has the right to correct us, and he can do it. Because he's God, and he can be known. And he came on the earth through the person of Jesus Christ. So this right here 
That's how we deal with uncertainty. We cling to what is known. And what is known is God himself through the person of Jesus Christ. So at Christmas, we sing songs about Jesus coming. And you may have different celebrations that you do in your family to remember this event that changed history. But in the midst of all that's uncertain, all the demands and all the comparison, it gets lost the gift of Jesus. And how there's never been any gift that can compare to the gift of God sending his son to the earth. Because through Jesus Christ and the fact that he came and he lived life and he showed us how to live life according to God's standards. Because he lived a perfect life. Because he also died on the cross for our sins. He made us allowed to be right before God. Jesus paid the price for our sin. So when we're left to ourselves and our own resources, that's our independence. But through Jesus Christ, we can actually, despite our independence, despite going our own way, we can be connected back to God through Jesus. There is nothing better than we can celebrate at Christmas. It's everything. It changes everything. And what's great about a known God in the midst of our unknown circumstances is that we can actually have that anchor that I talked about earlier. We can actually stand firm. And so I want to take a look at the Christmas story this morning. As we're kind of approaching Christmas, I want to take time to look at the Christmas story, but through the lens of what Mary and Joseph must have been experiencing related to uncertainty. Because oftentimes we read the story and like maybe you heard parts when you were kids or you've maybe seen different aspects in movies or greeting cards and we kind of have snippets of the story. But when you actually look at the story through the lens of what was known to Mary and Joseph and what was unknown, it's actually this great testimony and picture of faith. Mary and Joseph had faith that God would work the things out that he said in the midst of not having any clue. We read the Christmas story on this side of history. And we have certain images. And I, I want to show these, these images of the Christmas story, which kind of sum up usually our experience. Here's one. Just, you know, Mary and Joseph, baby Jesus, and there's always just a little light just shining on them. It's like beautiful. It's, it's picture perfect. It's a Christmas story. It's picture perfect. Second image here. This, this, this is one of those images that just cracks me up. Like, we know they were born, like, in the manger because there's no room in the inn. Okay, right? There's no room. And so we think, like, yeah, Jesus was born in the stable. Like, it's beautiful. And then you have pictures like this where the animals are. I've been to, like, a farm. And I've never seen this. Like, the, you know, the animals just look perfect. And I just love how they're all, like, we're just going to face the same way. Like, right, postcard, this, this beautiful picture. And then the... The third one here, common images. Look at that. Like, it's just, it's perfect. Everything is right in place. And this is kind of our, our way of taking the story and making it visual. And this is helpful. But what you miss in this is some of the nuances that the Christmas story is not nearly this pretty, this tidy, this put together. It's actually messy. It's stressful. But in the midst of that, you see Mary and Joseph still obeying what God had commanded them. Okay, so I want you to kind of know that this is some of the pictures that we have. And then as we read the story, try to kind of 
Put yourself in the position of what Mary and Joseph would have been going through. Okay, so we're going to be picking this up in Luke 1. You may have heard this, but just kind of read this again with me as we experience the Christmas story. Because the Christmas story is layered with moments of uncertainty. Okay, let's, let's discover what those are. Luke 1, 26. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Let's stop right there. First moment of uncertainty we see. We have Mary and Joseph, the characters enter the stage. These would become the parents of Jesus. Mary is a virgin and she is greeted by an angel, Gabriel. And I love the scripture count because most of the time I'm thinking like the angel appeared and the life was changed. And it was. But when you read this last part, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Have you ever seen a Christmas card with a freaked out Mary? (laughs) With Jesus, with the the angel like over and she's just shaking. I mean, hard. It's hard to show shaking on a Christmas card. But have you ever seen the stressed out like? But this is the idea of like, I don't know what kind of greeting this might be. So you get the sense like Mary is wondering, like, is my life over? Is this angel coming to take me out? I'm reading into that a little, but you see this like what kind of a greeting? There's fear. There's this uncertain like what is going to happen to me? I'm trying to discern what kind of a greeting this might be. And the angel which the angel is a messenger from God, sent from God to proclaim the truth. The angel sees that Mary is concerned, and then you follow what happens next. And it says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So the angel, seeing Mary and saying, Oh, wow, she's, she's freaking out. Do not be afraid. The good news is you found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Okay, another thing. I don't know about you, but she's a virgin. She finds out she's going to have a baby. She finds the news from an angel. So, you know, let that just kind of sink in like, oh, wasn't expecting that, right? A little uncertain. Sure, she didn't have that in her kind of future. She'd betrothed to, to Joseph, which means they, they were almost married. It's like a little bit more serious than an engagement. For all practical persons, they were almost there, but they weren't quite married yet. They were betrothed. So there's this deep commitment. And I'm sure they were kind of thinking about their future, what it was going to look like, how it was going to happen. And maybe when we have kids, and all of a sudden, like, you're going to have a kid. And not only that, but you don't get to name him. Have you ever thought about that? Could you imagine parents today, like the doctor saying, and you will call him Alexander. Could you imagine the the mom would get up right there and leave? Like, you don't you don't name another, you know, you don't name my kid. And I'm sure like maybe Mary and Joseph, you know, like, what are we going to name? They maybe had different names in mind. They didn't have a choice. They were told you're going to call him Jesus. Okay, so, so the story, the story continues. And then you see, as it goes on, the angel describes more about his life. 
He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And then check out this. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Can notice this point in the story. You see that what is known from the word of God. This is what the angel proclaims. This is what God is telling you. And it is layered with so much. You're going to conceive. You're going to give birth to a son. His name will be Jesus. He will reign forever and his kingdom will not end. I don't know about you. There's a lot there to digest. This is just a picture of a known God that meets Mary in the midst of uncertainty. Here's all you know. This is who he's going to grow up to be. This is how he's going to change the world. This is what his name will be. This is all that will take place. Step after step after step. Here's what you can know. And then what did Mary go to? All that is not known. And she actually asks a good question. Hey, Gabriel. How's this going to happen? Right? Now, let's just relate to that. Like, I can relate to that question. All this stuff, greatness, kingdoms, changing. Okay. It'll be interesting. How will it happen? What you find there, she's not saying, why me? Like, why me? That wasn't the question. It was how. It's actually a good question. She's trying to get on board. How is this going to happen? What do I need to do to see this happen? It's a very good question. So in the midst of the uncertainty, we do experience questions. We want to know what's it going to look like? How is it going to happen? But when we start asking the why questions, we can kind of drift off and get into trouble. God has commanded. He has said. He is saying this is what will happen. And Mary wants to know how. And so... Luke 2 kind of shows how this unfolds. So we get this, this picture. This is all that's going to happen. And it's very futuristic. Only God knows the future. Mary had no idea what Jesus would turn out to be. All she knew was what God had commanded her through the messenger, the angel, Gabriel. That's all that she knew. But there's so much that's unknown. And in Luke 2, as you go in the story, we kind of find some of the facts that we all know about the Christmas story. And I want to just unpack that because it, it raises... Some of the uncertainty that they face. So here, Mary and Joseph, how is this going to happen? I know his name. I know I'm going to be his mother. I know he's going to change the world and his kingdom will not end. But what she didn't know is how that was going to happen. In Luke 2, we find out a few of these facts. Uh, Mary and Joseph had to travel to Bethlehem for a census. Okay. She was getting further along in in the pregnancy. And in Luke 2, we see this census comes about where they actually, Joseph has to go to his hometown to record in the census. And there was like no Uber at this time. In fact, this was like anywhere from a four to seven day journey for the census. Now, in the period of time from Luke 1, when we hear this to Luke 2, Mary was like further along in her trimester, probably like beginning stages of her third trimester. And she had a four to seven day journey in which she walked some of the time, maybe rode donkey some of the time. I don't know about you, but that sounds stressful. Bear with me, moms. I've never been pregnant, but my wife has, and I've never suggested, hey, babe, for our like vacation, let's go on a walkabout for a week, right? That wouldn't, wouldn't be wise. I would not be one of the wise men, right? Okay. That was terrible. Sorry. 
just came to me on the spot. But so that doesn't make any sense. But they had this. They they had no choice. And they had to walk this this whole way. Now, distance, we know kind of days, but distance was probably about 90 miles that she was having to walk. Again, like think of the postcard. Just just married. And just stressed out like are we there yet? Like this I know this is what they said about the kingdom being great, but right now I have to walk 45 more miles. That's what I would be thinking. So this journey, not quite what you'd expect for this birth of this Messiah who would change history. Four to seven days, 90 miles. Then they get there and you're thinking like, wow, they're there. And we know how the story goes, right? Did they get this like amazing room, like balcony view of like the stable? No, they got the stable, right? And that's where we get some of the images. You get this like, oh, it's beautiful, like in a manger of hay. Moms, have you ever thought about like you're bringing your baby home from the hospital and there's no crib? There's nothing but like, hey, let's just get some straw and grass and put the baby on there. Could you imagine that now? We're so concerned with allergies. What would that do? Let alone, they're in a stable with all sorts of animals. Some of those animals, like, they've got problems, disease, issues, hair. I mean, you can't go in a hospital now where you're almost suited up, antibacterial everywhere, masks, bubbles. Not that you blow, like that you're in, you know? But you see this picture, it wasn't like that. It wasn't this clean. It was messy. When they finally got there, there was no room. I don't know about you, but at this point, I'm, I'm questioning, God, how is, how is his kingdom going to be great? How is his power and strength going to be shown when we don't even have a place for him? Imagine the level of uncertainty after a long journey where all they want to do is probably just relax and await the birth of Jesus. But there, there was no room. If you compare that to our, our stage right now where it's like, you go tour the hospital in which you stay. If you don't have like a, what is that called? What the baby's in in the car? What are those? Car seat. It's like weird. I was like a stroller, but you don't put a stroller in. But car seat, if you don't have a car seat and you go to the hospital to have birth, like they give you a car seat. Like not only do you have a place to stay, but you get free stuff, right? They had nothing but a stable where animals were. And I think about that, and I'm like, that seems like the most stressful story ever. But in that, it changed everything. And so I want to just look really quickly at why this is so. And this we have to rewind to Luke 1. Because there's this instance of what Mary does in the midst of what she was told. And she says, how will this be? And basically, she got to the point where she didn't know how it would be. She didn't know the why. She didn't know how... This was all going to work out. But there's a passage in Scripture that I encourage you before Christmas comes, before the 25th, to read on your own. I'm going to highlight some of it today. But it's found in Luke 1, and it's called Mary's Song of Praise. And what's interesting about this Song of Praise is it, it gives you the perspective of how were Mary and Joseph able to cope with the uncertainty of what would be the greatest event in history? What did they do? But before that, you find that, that 
they decided they were going to trust God. And the certainty of God's plan, what he had said through the messenger, was enough for an uncertain Mary to trust God in his plan. God's plan here was his words that were given by the angel. Didn't know all the hows, didn't know the whys, but his word was enough for Mary and Joseph to trust that God would do what he said he would do. That's where the anchor comes. We trust God in his word despite all that's unknown. And this is what she says in Luke 1, 37 through 38. She says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Imagine that, that, that place where she got, despite all these fears, despite all this unknown that just hit her life. If this is what you say, God. Nothing is impossible. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So you see this, this godly message, his word, what would happen, and then the human response. God, if this is what you want, you will make it happen. I can't see everything. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I trust you. And then she puts herself in the position. I am a servant of the Lord. My life is not my own. There's certain things that I want to see happen. There's certain timing that I'd like to see take place, but my life is not my own. I am a servant. I'm putting myself lower. All my plans, my priorities. I'm a servant of you. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. And that was a position of that's what you do when you face uncertainty. You trust God and his word. And you put yourself in a position where God can use you. And you surrender to him. That's what it means to be a Christian. You surrender every aspect of your life, the known and the unknown, to him. And in this song of praise, I just want to pull out a few of these things because after this, she kind of shifts gears and she shares this beautiful, poetic just statement about who God was and how, before she knew it, the journey could be made. She could be in a stable and an inn. Mary and Joseph could go through this together because of these statements that she makes. And so I want to close with this this song of praise, but I encourage you to read this on your own. It's found in Luke 1, 45 through 55. And it gives us some lessons, and this is where I want to turn the corner. What does that mean for us as we face uncertainty? And I want to use the example of Mary to instruct us, to challenge us. So when faced with uncertainty, we can take God at his word. Okay? Uh, Luke 1, 45 says this, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Well-being, her life would go well if she trusted that God would do what he said he would do. That's what it's saying. If we take God at his word, that means that we are actually willing to know his word. If you want to know who God is, you have to read the scriptures. You have to take time to read it. To kind of measure your life against it. You have to take time to apply it. You have to take time to slow down to actually, with all the noise and all the connectedness and all the social media, take time to say, God, I need to hear from you. In the midst of all that is uncertain, I need to anchor myself to you who is known and revealed yourself to me through the scriptures. Mary knew the Old Testament. She knew how God had come through for Israel. She'd seen his hand in her generation, the family that came before her. There was this deep trust God is going to act right and just here. So she trusted him. 
And so when you're faced with uncertainty, we want to focus on the unknown. But God wants us to focus on what he's already told us in the scriptures. And so I encourage you, wherever you're facing, and maybe that stuff that's unknown and stressing you out right now, when was the last time that you took some time to read the Bible and just said, God, speak to me? Speak to me. Show me what I need to do right here and right now, how I treat people, and how I relate to those around me, and how I handle fear, and how I handle stress. God's word instructs us. Nothing can greatly help like just going to the Word of God and asking for God to speak. The second thing Mary did is that she chose to praise God despite fear. Because remember, fear is one of those things that kind of overwhelms us when we're faced with the uncertain. Luke 1, 46 and 47. In this song of praise, you get a bunch of this praise, but here's like a snippet. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Whatever we magnify gets bigger. Right? That's what we see the most. And there's a tendency in us, in the uncertainty and the confusion and the fear and the worry, that's what we tend. We pick up the magnifying glass and it gets bigger and that's all we can see. And we know that. The more unknown, the more we focus on it, the more we realize we don't know and it overwhelms us. But what Mary's showing is my, my soul, everything in me, is going to magnify God. I'm going to make him my focal point. You're not sure how to magnify God. You could read the Psalms and the Psalms are these accounts of people who've experienced God and write praises to him in the midst of sometimes terrible circumstances. The Psalms are found in the middle of your Bible or you can look that up on one of the Bible apps, but just Psalms, you can read it and soak it in. This is how I magnify. This is how I praise God for, for who he is. And so when you're hit with uncertainty, the tendency is I'm going to magnify what I don't know and it's going to become bigger and it's going to just drag me away from what God wants. Instead, pull to what you do know, God and his word. There's also a tendency when we're overwhelmed with uncertainty that we tend to pull away from others. We isolate ourselves and we pull away from God. And when things are uncertain, the last thing you want to be is alone. If you're isolated, you're actually going to be set up for just kind of just getting pulled further and further away from the current. It's with the community of faith And it's with serving God that you actually realize, I I am not alone. God is with me. And he also put people around me that love me and can help me as well. There's nothing more powerful than that. That's hope. That's where the light pierces the darkness. Another thing Mary did is that she trusted God over her plans. And so therefore we can trust God over my plans as well. We all have things that we'd like to see. And in Luke 1.48, she says this, uh, For he has looked... On the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She, again, recognized my humble estate, like I am nothing special. Mary was nothing special. But she was used by God because God wanted to use her. She had fears just like we do. She sinned just like we did. She's not perfect. She realized that. I'm, I'm a humble estate, but I'm going to pursue him because of his might and that he will come through for me. And it's a statement like he's going to be good to me even though I cannot see, which leads to this next kind of aspect of trusting God in the unknown. And that is we can remember his faithfulness and help. And she goes on. 
is what it says up here on the screen. It says, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. She just experienced that. I'm a humble estate and you're saying my life is going to change forever. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. So you see this progression. I can trust God and his word. What he says is true. I can trust God that he's going to help me in the midst of the things that I do not know. And here you see how the remembering who God is, is connected to his faithfulness. And, and if you have not really kind of seen God come through for you, that's one of the main things God wants to do. He's, he wants to prove that he is trustworthy and he is faithful. And he does that through you turning to him. And he establishes this track record of faithfulness where he's, he's not a fraud. He doesn't bait and switch. If we choose to trust him, he will take care of us. He always acts according to what he says in the scriptures. He is who he says he is. And that sounds so distant at times, and that's why the birth of Jesus was so crucial. Because in the midst of all this, he came near. He came to earth, and he can be known through Jesus Christ. And we can look back, if you've walked with God, you can look back and you can see God has always walked with me through the periods of fog. And as I take one step at a time, a little bit of a light shines and I can see. As you look back on your life, that's one of the greatest things you can do is just remember what God has done for you, how he's provided, how he's come through. And if you've never experienced that, that should be one of the things that compels you. I have been trying to do things my own way for so long. I need the help. I need the direction. I need just the truth to lead me forward. And that's what you can find in the person of Jesus Christ. And so you see this just awesome opportunity as we look at the Christmas story and and the messiness of it. All the things that would overwhelm Mary and Joseph, she, she paved the way. This is how we can respond us today and what we experience. And so I want to encourage you just in the midst of what is uncertain, think through from Mary's response, what's maybe the response that you need to take today? And I encourage you to read through that passage of scripture. I went through it kind of chunk by chunk, but as you read it all together, you just can pull so many helpful things. And if you've never read the Bible by yourself, this would be a great place to start. Read what just this person experienced as she followed God. And kind of ask yourself, what is she saying? What does that mean? How did that impact her? How could that impact me? I want to end with a quote from a gal who I've, I've read her book. She's Corey Tinboon. You can see it here. It says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And Corey Tinboon was a Jew who was a part of World War II and her family were persecuted, imprisoned, and were killed. And she survived, and she faced uncertainty like we probably would never know. But in this, it captures this idea of how we find hope. It's not in what we know, but it's that we can connect to the God who can be known. And that changes everything. So I want to encourage you, wrestle with this. See if you're kind of pulling away from God. 
in frustration. See if you're pulling away from others. And just ask, God, I want to hear from you. I want to know you. And if you're not sure how to do that or what that looks like for you, you can let us know on your connection card. There's a, say that, there's a place that says, I'd like information about beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. If his birth really does mean what it means, we'd like to help you understand what that looks like for your life. So you can check that. If you have prayer requests, you can let us know on the connection card. And there's some next steps. If you pull out that connection card, we're going to receive our offering right now as the band comes up. And you can mark the next steps that you want to take. Or if you have prayer requests, you can put that on the back of the card. I'm going to close this in prayer. And then I'm also just going to pray uh, for next week's Christmas service. I, I hope all of you can be here. It will be a great time to celebrate this gift of Jesus that we've been talking about today. And we want to be a church that welcomes people who, who need this hope, who need the help that God brings. So as you're considering who you can invite, I encourage you to pray this week uh, for our service and that ultimately God would be honored and people that are just alone and overwhelmed, that they will come and experience hope. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word, which gives us the truth, but, but also shows us, even in the midst of the unknown and in the messiness of life and the circumstances, even as you sent your son to the earth, there were so many opportunities for fear. But in the midst of those emotions and those feelings that we have, we can actually learn to trust you. And forgive us, God, when we are overwhelmed and forgive us for magnifying the unknown more than we do the known. So, God, I pray all of us this week will be able to take time to read the scriptures. And, God, I ask that through maybe confusion or through maybe just preconceived assumptions that we have, God, will you open the word of God up to us that we can see your words to us and that it will be great hope. And it will give us a light in the midst of the darkness that we face. So we trust you in that. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.